And you've guessed it. You're listening to Later This Week with Coco and Fran, where we can never hear each other, but we still continue to talk. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Hi, how are you? I'm good. My my microphone. I like that it's blocking half of your face. Is my microphone has been moved? <laughs> we're not going to we're not going to say why. Just go with it. No, I mean for me it's a comfort level. Yeah, I know I get it. Not really, but it's a comfort level. And um, you know what I wanted to ask you? And I forgot to ask you this. Yes. I don't think I've ever asked you this question since we've done the show. Has someone ever sent you a dick pic? Hmm. I mean, I mean, when we were younger, we didn't have an opportunity for dick pics. Like, what is somebody going to send you a Polaroid? Yeah, I've, I've had a couple before even being on the fetish website because you're gonna see a lot of that shit over there oh please dicks for them were like the word the it's, it's like I, I've, I've become desensitized really but yeah <laughs> and like you want to see my penis be like nope <laughs> i won't see your belly button <laughs> i'm like it's already in your profile picture why am i asking to see it exactly like, the Honestly. There's no mystery anymore. <laughs> Please. And in that community, God knows, probably all bruised up, stabbed. <laughs> show, me the, show me the books you read. <laughs> Band-aid on it. Somebody <laughs> slapping it. You know, little corn, little corn pad on the on the top Ugh, just to get okay. the swelling down. That, that is enough. <laughs> well, I just wanted to know if you ever had one sent to you because I really didn't. I don't know. I mean, you know they've been sent to me because I've sent you photos of them. I sent you screenshots of the the dick pics that have been sent to me. I think I've seen more vile content coming from you than anywhere else. Listen, it's my community. <laughs> what the gutter? <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> the gutter is actually luxury compared to where we are. Um. So yeah, tell me. Um, what did I have to ask you? There was something else. I can't even remember. See what happens. Um, I'm not prepared. Oh, you were telling me, you started to tell me the story about RuPaul Drag Race. Yes. So I'm watching both the US and the UK. Um, and I was watching the UK, uh, the latest episode. Actually, it was last week. And it was a special kind of documentary about what happened, not even like three, four episodes into recording of this, of this current season, um, they went into lockdown. So all the queens had to, like they had to, everything had to be put on hold. All the queens went back to their respective towns and the majority of them, and I think it was a seven-month lockdown, I believe. Um, and of course, the majority of of them didn't have any other work mm-hmm. other than doing drag, performing in, in clubs and other venues. And when you're in lockdown, there's there's no there's no source of income. Um, there was one, there is one who is a 
mental health nurse. So she was fortunate enough to be able to continue to work, obviously, during that time. And I think there was another um, queen who worked in fast food uh, because the the town where she lives in, um, and I think it's um, Wales in general, the drag scene is pretty much non-existent. So they, it's very difficult for them to make money on, on a, in a in a good day on a good day. So now you add the fact that there's COVID and then there's this whole, you know, lockdown happening. A lot of them had nothing, no, no income. And it just had me wondering about how performers here in, in North America, you know, what, how has it affected them when, if that is your sole source of income and, you know, there's no, there's no, um, as far as I know, there's no like unemployment you can you can file for anything like that. Um, how 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 have performers and artists coped with COVID since since mm-hmm. you know since this has happened? And and that's just a dialogue that I've been very interested in in having with with anyone who was you know willing to come on the show and share. And we were fortunate enough um, to to have someone to join us and kind of give us a little bit of um, all of that. Yeah. I mean, it's a very interesting time. I mean, I often, honestly, I've been so busy with work. You've been busy with work. It's hard to have the perspective of performers, especially because the livelihood relies on an audience. And if you can't do shows like Broadway, how Broadway has mm-hmm. been shut down for, almost a year now yeah you know i don't maybe a little less than a year but give or take it's been closed for quite some time and people don't understand that for those of you listening who've never been to a broadway theater they're such old theaters the seats are so small so put together they were built in a time where people were half the size that they are now and everybody is sort of unless you're like a tiny grandmother who goes to see these shows, most people like me being as tall as I am, it's very uncomfortable at times. Like the theater has its prestige in the way it looks and it's beautiful, but I just can't imagine how you're going to get people in a theater like that. Mm -hmm. Even post COVID because you're going to have people concerned. If I'm sitting here, even with a mask, people on either side of me like I remember being in a Broadway show and sitting on one side of me with someone I didn't know and literally like the whole show they couldn't help it I couldn't help it but like we were like on top of each other yeah so it's 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 weird it's a weird situation and it's we just got out of a, a lockdown it was a, a a month or so a little bit over a month um and uh I went to a restaurant recently and it was really nice to be able to like sit down like a human and, and, and eat, you know, at a restaurant. It was very sparse, but it was nice to see other people enjoying themselves as well. Tables of two, there was no more than like two, three people uh, at at any given table. Um, But I remember I was on Instagram and I, and someone, some restaurant uh, had posted some 
stories of of them you know celebrating the fact that they're open again and serving customers again and and I was looking at their dining room and and their bar like it was not sparsely like people were not practicing social distancing and there was one table this was definitely not a family this was just a group of you know 20 somethings or 30 somethings and I think it was like six of them sitting at a table and I thought how irresponsible like we just got out of a out of a lockdown and this is what's happening right now i i am so happy you bring this up because i was i was thinking i had to segue but now i don't have to there is someone that i know that i used to work with i wouldn't necessarily call them a friend they're not someone i dislike but i follow them on instagram someone else that i know also knows them so just over the last couple of weeks, I ignore most social media posts. Guys, you can post anything. You can post your bruised penis and I'll just scroll right past it. I don't care. Like, I really don't care. Like, there's not much. But I've seen this pattern with this person. And it was like, two weeks ago, the gang's all here. We're all here. And there's like 15 people in this room. And I thought it was a throwback, like, to like two years ago. And then I look at it and I'm like, these people are just hanging out now. This is new. And I'm like, you guys are not all in the same bubble. And then I saw other posts as they were coming in. And this person is very social, has been pre-COVID too. Most of the reason why I follow this individual is because it's funny. It's funny to see all the stuff they do. But now with COVID, I sent it to one of my friends who also knows this person and wrote me back and said, yep, and there's never a mask to be seen. Nobody's in a mask. Everyone's like hanging out. This is happening in Jersey. This is not happening in some like far off place. Mm. It's like, and I look at some of the people that are in this group and I know some of them from the past because we all kind of had this working relationship and I'm looking at them and I'm going, how are you guys all like, I know you're pretty intelligent people. Like what kind of message does this send? And honestly, I hate to sound down and dirty, but if you are doing that shit, don't post it. Yeah. Don't post that's, it because it's just advertising your stupidity. Exactly. That's nothing to be proud of, really. No. Just like when people post pictures of themselves at work or at, at a social event and they're like, but we're wearing masks. I'm like, yeah, still. No. No. Still. I don't know. I just have a problem with the message that's being sent out. I mean, and it's not about jealousy. It's not about that. It's about like all of us being responsible on some level. Yeah. I mean, we all want, we all want to see businesses open. We all want to see people doing what they do, earning money, all of that stuff. But there, there needs to be a a level of responsibility as well. And unfortunately, that's going to be the way. It, you know, it's going to be that way. It has to be that way for mm-hmm. for a long time. Like I, yeah. I don't know if you know, even after everyone kind of gets their vaccinations and 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 whatnot i don't know if we're ever going to go back to the way it was i think people are a bunch of crybabies like when you think about it it's like when the quarantine first happened and i would say to people you're not sick no one in your family is sick most people i know still have their jobs stop complaining about it it's not like we're in some war-torn village and you walk into your front lawn and a bomb goes off it's like those are not, that's not the scenario here. Scenario is like, go home, go watch Netflix and have a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds real rough. 
sounds real exactly when i was thinking about this episode and, and you and i we were kind of brainstorming about it um i reached out to a a local comedian here in ottawa he'll be joining us and what is his name again his name- or you don't want to say his name oh. i mean it's your, it's your piece you need to say <laughs> i can say his name i'll give you a little bio as well because you want, I can say it Italian style, but you say his name first. You want, you want me to say, no, I want to hear your Italian style. My very okay, Italian style is whenever a, a word doesn't end in a vowel, we immediately adopt or borrow one. Yeah, you add one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. You just, you borrow one. So right now, this would be Wafico Nazarala. I love it. Wafico Nazarala. So, his Nazarala is my favorite. <laughs> it's like, what did you have for dinner? Oh, not too much. We just had a little Nazarala. It sounds delicious, doesn't it? It's wonderful. It's a lot of butter, garlic, a little bit delicious. of a little bit of Parmesan, a little mozzarella. <laughs> <laughs> Nazarala. It sounds good. Um, no, his yeah. name is, and I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. And obviously, we'll get the correct pronunciation when he's on. Uh, Wafik Nasrallah. Uh, he is a stand-up comedian here in Ottawa, uh, nominated for Best Stand-Up in Ottawa in 2020. Wafik is one of the most likable comedians on the circuit. His broad-based comedy has a universal appeal, whether on a dark and dirty show, dark and dirty, we like that, <laughs> or a children's fundraiser. His comedy is unique and accessible, having performed internationally to rave reviews and an extended tour of the UK due to popular demand. He has many TV and radio appearances, including BBC Radio, a favorite and many festivals and has won many competitions. So listen, you know what? Being a, a comedy, I don't know. I don't know what you want to call me, but someone who has done comedy before. <laughs> I was going to say an aficionado, but really aficionado is like somebody who gets good seats at a comedy club. <laughs> but, I, I, you know, that's a good bio. Yeah. That's a good bio. I can tell you what I what I did a few times because I used to do a lot of hosting gigs mm. for comedy shows and comedy clubs. And whenever a comedian used to give me a bio, that was just ridiculous. I used to just read the whole bio as if I was them. So like there was this one girl who was performing somewhere and she printed out her bio, I swear, from a website. It literally was a fucking page. It was a page. It was her college. It was her resume. Everything was. So she was this little Italian girl. So I mean, when I got her, when I got her bio, because she didn't edit it, she like almost she wanted me to edit it. So I was like, no, I'm going to read the whole thing. So when I brought her out, I read the whole page. The audience was screaming because I did it in like an Italian girl's voice. (laughs) And, you know, and it was just like, I went to Rucka's, you know, I went to Rucka's. I mean, do they think that a bio is, is supposed to be a full resume? Some people don't know even what a resume means, but I can tell you that bio you just read is, is, you know, from what you said, I want to know who he is now. I think it's sweet. It's straightforward. He was like, my brother left out some things because I know he probably did more than what's on there. Let me tell you, Nasarala, I can't wait. Yeah. So he'll, he's going to be joining us after the break. 
Okay, are we going to break now? Do you? All right. I mean, I my, so. might as well. Yeah, let's do it. When we come back, we're going to have our friend here. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. This is Fran from Later This Week with Coco and Fran. All you guys keep asking me, hey, Fran, how does your beard look so great? Well, the answer is gracefully yours. Yes, gracefully yours. All natural product, female owned company, and they really know how to work out your beard. So if you're interested in having a beard like mine or a beard of any kind, get in touch with gracefully yours DJ. Yes, gracefully yours DJ on Instagram. And if you tell them the word Francesco, they will give you 10% off for being a faithful later this week listener. Once again, that's gracefully yours DJ. Get some now. Hello? Hey. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm good. This is Colleen. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Actually, more correctly than most people. Excellent. <laughs> and, 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 I, and this is Fran. Uh, welcome to Later This Week. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, we have had ver- many variations of your name, and usually whenever I have a guest on the show, I just make it Italian because it's just easier for me. Um, so you have been Wafiko Nasarala. Okay. Okay. <laughs> That's so, actually a new one. <laughs> well, so it's a wonderful name regardless. Well, thank you. Um, my, my co-host here, Coco, has a ton of questions. So if you feel like, you know, you need a bathroom break in between her, you know, asking a million questions, we understand. But no, no, I, I, t- I took care of everything already. Beautiful. Excellent. Excellent. So we already uh, told our listeners your bio, and we uh, we did a little um, intro to the segment um, with respect to uh, how people are are coping during this time, and spe- more specifically, uh, performers and artists. And uh, I just want to say thank you again for doing this with us. Um, oh, you're welcome. And, thank you for having and, me. Oh, my, our pleasure. Our pleasure. So. Why don't you tell us something about yourself that isn't on your bio? All right. Um, I'm a surprisingly good cook. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> we, we, can, we can relate to that. You're, you're on the right show. You know, we discovered we're doing this show almost a year now. And everyone has who listens to our show says, you guys really talk about food quite a bit. So thank you for, for sharing that bit, because now we want to talk about food. Now, all of a sudden, it's like we're changing the topic. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, is, uh, what is your specialty? What kind of food? Um, I like being really creative with just simple things. I like meat and potatoes kind of thing. But I do this thing with garlic butter, shrimp, and cheddar cheese, and it's unbelievable. Interesting. Well, yeah. I, would never, I would never think to put cheese and shrimp together i know and it's such a good combination especially if you get the garlic butter right nice yeah well you're gonna have to take a picture of that next time you do that okay (laughs) (laughs) so how have the past 12 months affected you uh that's well that's a there's a lot of different answers for that i mean it creatively 
it, it was so weird. I think that I speak for on behalf of a lot of community, uh, comedians here, especially in Ottawa. We were really hitting a stride just before. It's almost seemed fitting that COVID happened because so many of us were just going to the next level. We were having fun on stage. We were being really creative. We were writing. My last show, I, I headlined a theater in Cornwall, Ontario, and it was one of the top three sets of my career. And then mm. two days later, all my shows are canceled. Wow. Well, yeah. you know, it, it's interesting because, you know, I, I, I was joking earlier because I couldn't find the right word for myself, but I, I've been doing comedy for 15 years, uh, mostly in the New York area. But mm. um, it's interesting what you're saying about, about that, because as everybody got sort of in this moment of reinventing themselves and doing these online shows where everyone's watching comedy on a screen. What do you think about that? What are your feelings about that? Uh, it's actually funny because I get asked that one a lot. I haven't done any Zoom shows. I haven't done any of those shows because, well, I mean, a much better comedian than I said it best, but it's something that I, I like to apply to. I think anybody can actually ex to take this. In comedy, especially when you're performing, th there's people that hear your name and they're like, I want to see this guy and they check you out online and then, you know, they have an opportunity to see you live, but it's on zoom. And that might be the first time they get to see you. They're not getting the real you. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And I don't want that to be the first impression I make with some people. But don't you think that a lot of people are just like lazy pieces of shit that just oh. can't get out to theaters and just go see things live? Like, you know, the people, we all have those friends, right? Because I've been yeah. doing shows for years. I'll come, I'll come, I'll come. And then finally you're on Zoom and, you know, they see you there, like you said, for the first time. I mean, do you think it's now kind of this this whole COVID thing is helping people who are lazy pieces of shit who just want to glue themselves <laughs> to the sofa? I think so. Maybe them. But I mean, it's not helping the arts. It's not no, helping no. the comedians. It's absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. If you if if you really want to sit at home and watch comedy, then watch Netflix. You know, if you're going to watch it live, <laughs> you got to go to the place. And yeah, there's nothing better. I mean, baseball is the most boring sport in 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 sports. So is bowling. But you go and you watch it live. Yeah. For some reason, you can sit through it. You're right. Absolutely. I, I agree with you about baseball 100% because I'm not a big sports fan, but I like it live. Yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't agree in the sense that baseball is exciting live because I've been to a baseball game <laughs> and it was horrible. Well, okay. You went with the wrong. You went with the wrong. No, people. exactly. I, you went with the wrong people because listen, you can be on an elevator that's stuck for three hours with the right people and you could be like, I had the best time ever. Well, I mean, That's I think true. I was a, I think I was a teen during this time, oh, but it was Lord. still boring as <laughs> fuck. That's I mean, it's okay, okay, I agree, it's boring, but it's more, it's, it's better, it's easier, more fun to watch than on TV. No, and yes. I can't and I agree with you. I mean, I, you know, there's no talking to Coco. She's just like dark and angsty, and she still holds <laughs> on to her angst from her teenage years. I mean, she's just like you know a Janine Garofalo in the modern age. <laughs> Stop it! But I, but I totally understand. Like I, I, I agree with the fact that it's a completely different vibe when you're when you're there when you're at a show with with people. And you're feeding off the crowd and you're feeding off yeah. of the energy of the performer. Like that is, you can't duplicate that. You can't replicate that. And it just, 
seeing something live in person is is amazing. It really is. It's true. Yeah. There's the intangibles of, you know, a back and forth with an audience member. Sometimes not always are, are like the heckling. So, I mean, like when they're not heckling and you can actually get a, a good rapport going with even a few people, you're not going to yeah. catch that mm-hmm. by sitting on your couch. You've got to go and see that live. Absolutely. Yeah. So our next question, um, during our pre-interview, you mentioned being disenchanted with comedy. Could you elaborate a little bit on this? And um, and also maybe uh, let us know, is there any support for performers like yourself? Well, the disenchantment isn't something that I think needs support. It's something with inside me. And I've been thinking about it. I am... Okay, the one thing about me that I will tell you is I love comedy. I go to, there's the Yuck Yucks uh, Comedy Club here in Ottawa. I go there more than the staff. I'll watch shows. I'll be on stage as much as possible. I'm in that room five times a week, minimum, Mm. you know? And sometimes there's the other club, Absolute Comedy, and I'll pop into there sometimes if uh, I'm, Yuck Yucks is my home club. It's a club I started in. I I feel more of a kinship to it uh the owner is uh not a friend he's more like family the uh that absolute comedy is as uh welcoming as uh yuck yuck so that's why i spend more time there mm-hmm. um and right now the thought of sitting in a comedy club uh makes me cringe yeah i don't know why i don't i don't know if it's because well, we just came off of another lockdown. The clubs are finally open again, and it's been two months. And I don't know if that two months without doing... I didn't even write. I didn't look at my notes. I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. I came up with maybe three premises, and I didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> For the first time in my life, I didn't care. Yeah, yeah. So what is, uh, what's making you cringe? Is it the prospect of being around more people, or or maybe might might also be that we're going to stay open for a month and another another lockdown, mm, yeah. you know like it, it's we never seem to gain any momentum yeah. i think that's a that's a fear of a lot of business owners in general where um we came out of this lockdown and some some businesses are not opening for example some restaurants are not going to do the dine-in option they're just going to continue doing takeout and delivery because the the prospect of having to hire staff and or bring back staff those that have stayed with them um only only to end up having to let them go again if there's if and when there is another lockdown because i'm i'm pretty sure there will be well the problem is and and this is i've I've told a few people this i think the, the businesses that are staying in business are the ones that still have time on their lease. If they're, if anybody's lease is coming up now or in the next couple of weeks, they're done. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. getting yeah. Because there's no point in extending a lease when two months from now you could be shut down yeah. again. Yeah. So um, I think that we might be coming up on a commercial break, um, but I have a, I have a great question when we come back. So I know you'll stick with us. Okay. So um Yes, of course. Let's go to commercial. We'll be right back. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, how are you? Good to be here tonight. I got to tell you something. Last night, I had a dream that I ate a giant marshmallow. And this morning, I woke up and my sofa was missing. (laughs) 
Why did the chicken, hey, ladies and gentlemen, I'm over here, I'm over here, I'm over here, I'm on the stage. Why did the chicken cross the road? Because he was trying to get away from the KFC. <laughs> My arms really hurt because I flew out here. Get it? I flew out here. <laughs> All right, we're back with Wafik. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. All right, good, good. You know what? We 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 made some jokes in the beginning, and we had the Italian version of your name. But what's the origin of your name? It's actually Egyptian. I knew it. Did you? <laughs> I, 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 knew, I knew you were one of my peeps. I'm Lebanese, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, literally, we, we just kind of make generalizations on the show. Like, for instance, you, you can meet someone who's Portuguese and somehow they become more my people than her people. So, and I'm 100% Italian. So, you know. Um, but, you know, I wanted to ask you before we went to commercial, because I ask this question all the time when we have had comedians on the show. Okay. What is the dream of dreams, ultimately? You know, because we've had comedians of all shapes and sizes and ages and parts of the country and the world, and everyone has a different kind of goal. What is ultimately your goal with comedy? Um, you know, I think when I when everybody first starts you want your own sitcom and your movie something um for me a little while ago it changed to just being like a bill burr kind of thing just doing theaters and having people come see specifically me mm. not not necessarily doing any kind of sitcom or movies or anything just writing a new hour or two hours every year or two and touring it around the world but now, I mean, like mm. I'm 52. I don't know if I want to travel like that. My family. So I'm, I'm really just happy at this point, just making albums and having people buy whatever. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Now, do you find that sometimes there's, you know, we talk about comedians being discriminated for one reason or another. Do you think age is ever an issue? Yes, absolutely. I think there's a lot of festivals that overlook a lot of very talented people because they're too old in their opinion. I know Just for Laughs has said that a couple of times about me. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm, I'm 52. I mean, I get it. But, you know, the, you're passing up on people. Like, Rodney Dangerfield was older when he got when he got his career going. Mm -hmm. uh, Bernie Mac, same thing. Older people are just as good as young people, if mm -hmm. not better, because we've had that life experience. Yeah. When I, when I see a, an older amateur somebody that's in their 40s i always sit back and say this guy might get it this girl might get it because they're not these kids that are going to go up there and talk about shitting and masturbation i'm sorry i got into a that's okay wasn't paying that's attention okay. to my screen that, so close that's okay but the yeah, magic but you, you, the magic you, of editing will just will ruin will remove all of that <laughs> well it was pretty amazing because as soon as you said shitting and masturbating it was like god interfered in this interview and he just went away um <laughs> But, 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 but you know, what I mean. it's funny. It's, the, the older it's funny when you're going to talk about those things. They're going to talk about their life experience. And that's where real comedy is. That's all I right. Okay. And it's funny you were saying about older comedians because we have a lineup of wish list people that we're getting really close to getting who, you know, like one person is Judy Tenuta. Oh, like wow. you say that name and people are like, 
what what but you know we're working our connections to the bone right now to just try to get her on the show even for 20 minutes because we just we love her we think she's great so um but you know as we're talking about all this madness that's happening in the world um how do you take care of yourself for your mental health during this time um my fiance my children keeping busy with whatever i can uh, I play Grand Theft Auto a lot. I'm a kingpin now, so <laughs> <laughs> I got I got to take care of the street, you know. <laughs> right, right. I hope that sounded as white as I wanted it to be. <laughs> yeah, very, very. Yeah, white. <laughs> yeah, so white that I'm having some crackers right now with cottage cheese. <laughs> I know we have a lot of things, a lot more things that we'd love to ask you about. I know you know, we don't want to take people too much of their time, but um, I guess one of my questions for you is it, what would you want to promote right now in these troubled times? What is something you want to tell listeners that you're doing? Is there somewhere they can find you? Um, I got a few shows coming up. I, I Oddly enough, I got a, a recording for Just for Laughs album here in Ottawa, uh, March awesome. 8th or 9th. They're doing it over two nights. I'm not sure which night I'm on. I guess I'm I'm not too old to be on audio. <laughs> <laughs> That's really sad. That's really sad. <laughs> um, I've been sitting on an album for a long time. It's all edited. It's got a title. It's got the artwork, but I just can't seem to pull the trigger on actually releasing it. Uh, it was recorded two years ago, and some of the things on it, it's great. I do like it. There's some things that I don't like. And there's a couple of jokes in there that have changed, and I like the changes more than the recording. So I don't know what to do now. Gotcha. So that was the probably the most difficult part of our, of our interview with you. Um, we're going to dip into a little bit of levity, and we're going to do some rapid fire questions. So you don't have to think too much about this. Okay. Just whatever comes to your mind, spit like, it out. Almost like word association exactly all right but, yeah okay but but minus minus the masturbation and shit <laughs> yes <laughs> i promise nothing <laughs> okay what are three items you can buy together at the grocery store to make the cashier laugh uh a cucumber <laughs> um oil yes some ziploc bags yes Coco signed up. Coco's like, buy me a drink. <laughs> I, I thought for sure you were going to add condoms to that. No, that's too. No, he's a, listen, he's a seasoned comedian. All right. That is not where you go with that. And I knew he was not going to say rubbers because he is 52 years old. He is a grown ass man who has done comedy. He has, there was no road before him. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I like you. I like you a lot. All righty. When you dance, you look like blank. A fucking idiot. Nice. <laughs> if I'm dancing, I'm very drunk. Love it. Love it. <laughs> All right. If you could swim in any liquid, what would it be? Other than water, obviously. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, jello shot. Interesting. Nice. Yeah. Jello with like vodka. Nice. Or That'll get like absorbed into your pores. Yes. 
and they got they do that thing with a tampon in the bunk. What? Oh, yes, with, with vodka. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's a crazy yeah. drunk. Oh my god, that's like next level of alcoholism. Yeah, I quit just before that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, is cereal soup? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I'm going to use that next time. I mean, I'm glad you're here because she's learning more than she has ever had on this show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Crazy. really, she came here as a blank slate before you got here. Oh, that's great. Okay, La- last question. What celebrity annoys you the most? Oh, man, there's so many. The first one that j- jumped in my head is Kathy Griffin. <laughs> Thank you. She's really annoying. Frank likes her. Frank yeah, likes I, her. I, no, I I've seen her live a few times. I don't necessarily say I I love her. I I love the structure of her shows. Like before she got really big, I thought Be- she was much better. Before she had all that plastic surgery. Wow, you went there. I didn't. I didn't know she did <laughs> yeah. that. But all I know is she really annoys yeah. me. Her, she's too self righteous. I mean, pro Trump, anti Trump, whatever. That thing with with the severed head was was not necessary and her stance after was ridiculous she just showed how stupid it was but also my biggest problem with that whole thing was whenever a comedian doesn't stand by what they did like they don't take responsibility for the choice they made like she went back and forth like three times about it she went from the point of oh my god what was me to going to like, I don't apologize to then apologizing. It was like, listen, if you're going to get crazy and yeah. do something crazy as a comedian, because my whole defense to everything I've ever done in life has been like, I'm a fucking comedian. I'm stupid. This is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's going to be a whole other show. That's, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm pro or tr- against Trump. I'm just saying that, yes, we should do it. Yes. We are. We <laughs> are. With, with you, I will have you come back anytime. And if Coco's sick, you're going to be the, the fill in. You're you're in our role. You're in. in our Rolodex. I, I'm, ab- <laughs> I'm absolutely in for any Excellent. of that. That'd well, thank you so much for for joining us and and giving us a little bit of insight of what's going on in terms of the comedy scene and COVID. And how can we find you on social media? I'm mostly on YouTube and okay. Facebook. Uh, great. Yeah. Perfect. That's great. Perfect. So everyone's going to find you there. And um, I'm, I'm sure we're all going to be best friends from here on out. Okay. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. That'd be great. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. You Take too. care. Thank Bye. You. Bye. Hello from Italy. You're listening to Later This Week with Coco and Fran. Hey, Francesco, when are you going to learn English? Hello. Hi. Domino dancing. Remember that song? Ole ole. Domino dancing. We just came back from commercial. That was a long commercial break. That was a fun segment, actually. I I, I really enjoyed chatting with Wafik. He was great. I mean, I I always love when people discuss, and this is why I brought it up, the um, challenge of age. Mm. Being older, because when you're older, people think you're molder. It just it doesn't make any sense because you would 
like comedy isn't isn't necessarily a visual experience. Well, I think it's also the connection because I think when people who run a comedy club, a guy comes in who's older, they immediately judge and say, oh, if young people are coming tonight, they're not really going to, he's not really going to connect with them. But, you know, everything has gotten that way. I mean, yeah. it's worse for women. I mean, we've talked about this show probably, you know, in episode 325, we talked about uh, female comedians and how they're judged because the thing with women in comedy, and I have friends who are, you're either too hot to be on stage because if you're too hot, you distract from the jokes or you're too busted and you're not hot enough. Cause you yeah. know, women, women, it's all about that. And you know, the reason why is because men, heterosexual men hire women and that's what they think with. They think with their testes, their testes. This is season two's version of bulls you know because <laughs> because we've elevated you know we gotta we gotta class it up a bit yes i'm really excited about our next guest that's coming up soon um again we're, we're continuing our little conversation with performers and artists uh and what they are how they how they've been coping with covid so we are going to be joined by burlesque performer well she's more than just burlesque uh rhapsody blue she Ooh. is she is chronically ill with a license to thrill she is a fire eating shimmy shaking darling as a strip joint feature dancer a circus entertainer and a prolific mc and producer she apparently this is a really interesting uh piece of information she is the only artist to date to take her bra off on stage at Canada's National Arts Centre. Wow. Who, who knew? Rhapsody sat on the board of directors of the Ottawa Burlesque Festival, served as resident MC for Naked Boys Reading Ottawa, and has worked in theatrical choreography. Throughout the pandemic, she has continued to teach and perform online, including hosting a talk show and spearheading burlesque-infused story-driven cabarets. And that's pretty cool, you know, to be able to kind of translate your skill onto something online, you know, that's that doesn't usually happen very often. So that'll be interesting to learn more about. Um, Rhapsody Blue has appeared at the New Orleans Nerdlesque Festival mm. and Burlesque Festivals in Ottawa, Toronto and Edmonton. She has performed at the Ottawa International Buskers Festival and in 2018 was featured was a featured talent in the Capital Burlesque Expo. Rhapsody is also a fetish educator and playwright. The bombest booty in the book club, it's Rhapsody Blue. So wow. she's gonna so she's gonna be joining us momentarily. Well, I've already got questions for her from after hearing that bio. Um, I've got plenty of things I want to ask her, but I mean, imagine if that was your claim, like you could claim that you took your bra off in a place where no one had taken their bra off before. Yeah. Canada's, uh, the national arts center. That's where like, you'll see plays, uh, performances, orchestra, uh, ballet. I've been to a few ballet shows there. So it's like, why don't you take me there? Oh, well, next time you're here, we'll yes. go to show. I want to go to anything that's playing. I would love to see that. All right, let's do it. Yes, let's do it. Let's uh, let's go for a break. And when we come back, Rhapsody Blue will be with us. I can't wait. We'll be right back. 
We love tahini sauce. It's great on falafel. And speaking of tahini sauce, local Ottawa artist Tahini Sauce Collages just launched a brand new website and is offering our Later This Week listeners 10% off their purchases. Marrying digital and handmade pieces, Tahini Sauce Collages offers a wide range of surreal visuals, from gore to erotic, exotic sceneries to unique delicacies. Shop their canvases and coasters now. Use promo code COCOFRAN at checkout for 10% off. TahiniSauceCollages.com Support artists. Got your love in a jar filled with pickles and ice cream and love and things that you can find on the street. That was beautiful. What was that? I don't know. Our production team is very, very noisy today. I mean, I can't wait till you get a real studio. Right? You should sing more. I should. Why not? That's my real singing voice. That's not my karaoke voice. My karaoke voice is more like, you know, you, you, I don't know. Why do you have a different voice when you do karaoke? Because, because you know, when you're singing, you know, all the special Canadians like Alanis Morissette and Sarah McLaughlin and Anne Murray, you need to make sure that your voice is, is just so. Yeah. Canadians Canadians have brought a lot of vocalizations to us. Yeah, they have. We're we're a prolific um country when it comes to that. You know where I think of burlesque, like what song I think about? That's that old song that goes <clears throat> He came into the joint bum bum and the dun 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 Hey big spender yes. yeah Hey, big spender! <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, hope... Tonight's a musical night. It is, it is. I hope she's uh, she's able to connect. Oh, I'm not worried about it. She'll be here any minute. If not, we'll just talk to each other. All right. <laughs> I'll ask you questions. Sure. I'll pretend like I've done burlesque. You know, my favorite part about burlesque is I can just not wear clothes. This is very true. If this doesn't if this doesn't work, I might have to resend the the invites. Just I'll just sing "Hey Big Spender" again. It's okay. All right. But it's only seven. It's seven twenty eight. Maybe she did not expect us. No, because I sent her a text saying I'm sending link now, and she said awesome. So we'll see. Can you tell? Can you tell which one is me in this chat? Well, there's only two of you. There's only two people. It's it's me and Freak. <laughs> I'm a freak. Girl. So what I meant to ask you this. Mm. Now, where you live in Canada, who would you say is the most famous person that lives in your area? Oh, I think we're we're Hello Rhapsody. Hi. Can you hear me? Hi. Yeah, we can hear you. Can you hear us okay? I can hear you. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My pleasure. So Rhapsody, thank thank you so much for joining us at later this week with Coco and Fran. I'm Fran. <laughs> so 
the segment before this, we spoke with a, a local comedian and we wanted to build an episode around performers and artists uh, and discuss how they've kind of dealt with the whole pandemic in terms of work and whatnot, because it's it's not the easiest to have to navigate when performing is your, your kind of livelihood. Um, Certainly not. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we wanted to get the perspective of a, a, a performer like you. And, uh, and so we're really thankful that you've, you've joined us for this, uh, for this segment. So tell us something about yourself that isn't on your bio that may surprise our listeners. Something about me that isn't on my performance CV. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> some people that know me through the performing arts may not be aware that I had a career in writing before that and did work for a little while as a video games writer. Oh, video games, really? How did you get involved with that? This is funny because it was actually one of the people that I knew through performing arts, one of our resident photographers who uh, photographed at Burlesque Wednesdays, who in his normal personal life worked as a project manager for a games company. That's wow. Really, that's really cool. You know, Rhapsody, I had a, a question because um, every time we have a guest on the show and I hear their bio, I always have several more questions that I usually want to ask. And one thing that Coco read off your bio was um, a fetish educator. Now, yeah. could you tell people, tell people who are listening who may not know the difference between a waffle and a pancake what a fetish <laughs> educator is? Well, so when I say fetish, of course, I mean alternatively, alternative sexuality. Sorry, I'm going to have to relocate. My dog is. Wait, does, does, does your dog want to join the interview? He, he does, and you can probably hear him snorfling, but I'm going to do a quick relocation. Or rather, I'm going to relocate him. No worries, that's, no worries. That's okay. Coco was just dealing with her dog who was eating out of a bowl of ice cream earlier. Go on. There we go. <laughs> Sorry about that. I thought that, he would. I thought he would stay silent. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> All right, take two. <laughs> when I say fetish, I mean alternative sexuality, so non-normative sexuality, but outside the mainstream. In kink communities, the mainstream is often referred to as vanilla sex. Um, mm -hmm. I don't really use that term because I think it makes a lot of assumptions about what people are doing in the bedroom that you really have no information to support that assumption. Mm -hmm. So I don't usually use the word vanilla. Um, I use normative <laughs> because that is referred to the stuff that we see portrayed in pop culture that we're taught by movies and films and arts to want. And that is something that you can see and you can observe. Um, whereas what people do behind closed doors is not really knowledge that I have. So <laughs> I don't okay, know. Yeah. Um, when I say fetish, I usually mean something that is not just non-normative, but rather singularly minded. It tends to have niche interests, let's say. Mm. Um, now, BDSM, that's bondage dominance submission masochism or you know sadomasochism it's a variable acronym but bdsm which tends to involve the use of power and pain in one respect mm -hmm. or another 
is a kind of fetish. Um, but that said, there is a huge fetish world outside of BDSM. So there's lots of alternative sexualities that are not reflected in your, you know, your whips and your chains and your floggers and your leather. And that's all well and good, but it's vastly represented. And you can find books and practitioners the world over to help you out with that. But there are a lot of fetishes that are not represented in the BDSM world that I think should be more appreciated, but moreover, people need to have, to have the opportunity to learn about them. Like uh, what? Okay, so I'll just give a couple examples of workshops that I give. Um, okay. So I have taught workshops on uh, a fetish that's called pet play, um, which is basically about pretending to be an, a domesticated animal usually a dog or a cat, a rabbit, a cow, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, it's an exploration of power dynamics and communication through a structured role-playing activity. Yes. It's not about bestiality. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually familiar with a lot of, um, a lot of aspects of, of that community. Well, just the BDSM community. I do a lot of, um, fetish photography as well. So it's, it's, it's definitely, you're, you're correct in, in saying that there's, there are many aspects of that community that are just not known, uh, enough, or there's this assumption that it's only about this and that. So it's, it's great that you are, um, using your platform to to educate people on that for sure yeah so i i have like um some personal sort of favorites so pet play is definitely one of them um the balloon fetish community uh also known as lunars uh, they're a lot of fun as well uh and i had a uh i, I used to run a, a fetish party called whipped cream um okay. and it ran quarterly. <laughs> i love it i love it already <laughs> <laughs> It, it, it ran quarterly and it was uh, it was a queer kinky party that uh, was designed to really elevate and spotlight uh, kink in a power neutral fashion. So um, people who wanted to get a little weird with their sexualities, but didn't necessarily want to um, explore pain or explore uh, disparate power dynamics. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the space. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And I, certainly plan to relaunch those parties once gathering in person is a thing again absolutely no that would be that would be great to be able to do that again well that's a great segue because you know you said when you get ready to do it but what have you been doing for uh, the past 12 months and and how is how is the 12 the last 12 months affected your work <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, that's a loaded question right oh yeah <laughs> the pandemic has completely turned my life upside down um the performing arts career that I spent about a decade kind of setting in place was thrown out the window in a matter of weeks. Wow, <laughs> however, yeah. however, the skills that I had that permitted me to put my performing arts career in place remain with me still. Mm. And I used those to continue to pursue a livelihood and the performing arts in a different way, um, online primarily, obviously. You know, the, the arts are still there and mm -hmm. people are still performing and people still want entertainment. I do think, uh, as some speaking as someone who is very dedicated to 
the live performing arts, no online show will be the same. Um, and I can only imagine that the comedian you spoke to earlier must have said something to the same effect. Yes. Uh, telling jokes to a Zoom call, especially if the mics are muted, is an enormously difficult thing to do. So as far as as far as that goes, I mean, and this is just uh, my own personal curiosity. When you hear COVID is happening, pandemic is breaking loose. Do you do you panic? What happens? You have a plan B? So when we first started hearing about COVID, it was very, people were doing a lot of optimistic talk. I do remember like, the, okay, we're just going to shut down for two weeks. Okay. It's going to be a month. And, you know, uh, the first event that I canceled, I, I had an event scheduled um, for April. It was uh, one of the whipped cream parties and mm -hmm. I postponed it and I rescheduled it for June from April 2020 to June. And I said, I said in the post, I'm like, you know, I'm hoping that by June, this will be safe. And I yeah. remember thinking that I was being actually quite conservative in my estimate. And then I'm like, of course, things will be open again in June. Uh, and then it came uh, to, man, I hope I get Halloween gigs this year. And then it became, oh, man, I guess I'm probably not going to have holiday gigs. And then New Year's Eve came around, which is my consistently over the last decade has been my highest earning month of the year or night of the year. Uh, and to not work on New Year's Eve was just a huge mind job, even though I'd been, you know, we'd been living in the pandemic for by that point, the majority of the year. Uh, but I do want to convey a particular anecdote. How did I feel when the pandemic happened? I really want to sort of bring you to a particular moment in time. Mm -hmm. uh, I was at last March, I was living in Toronto. I was working as an entertainer, and that means a lot of things, you know, circus, uh, fetish, burlesque, but also it meant working in strip clubs. And mm -hmm. I remember it was a Monday, I think, when Toronto announced the closures of all the bars. And I was actually at uh, Zanzibar on Young Street one of the oldest strip clubs in the country and I was hanging out and it was a slow day and we were all trying to figure out like what's going to happen because there was maybe I'm going to say two or three clients in the place people were already being very conservative my I and a lot of a lot of the other dancers were not giving private dances we were just doing stage shows um mm -hmm. But by this point, you know, masking wasn't a thing yet. We, uh, like, physical barriers weren't a thing. Yeah. Uh, we didn't, like, we didn't have a lot of public health guidelines on what this virus was and how to conduct yourself accordingly. We were sort of under the impression that it was a bad flu. Um, so I remember uh, when the owner of the bar came in, and this was sort of unheard of on a Monday afternoon, <laughs> and... He said, like, pack it up. We got to go. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm there with, I get, there was about six or eight girls there. And walking up the stairs to the change room, which I've done hundreds of times, was so strange because I was the only girl who didn't immediately whip out her phone. And all the girls were on their phones right away. And one of my friends, one of my colleagues, finished her call, turned to me, and said, aren't you going to call your sugar daddy? 
<laughs> and I said, "That's a." And I said, "I don't have one." Oh wow, that's what wow. I do when I'm in trouble. And she said, "What? What are you going to do then?" And I said, "I don't know, man. I'm going to figure it out." Um, and it was really, uh, it was a very emotionally intense moment because I was in this room with a group of of sex workers who were all sort of in this panic because very all of a sudden they just had their livelihood snatched away in a moment um mm-hmm. and there was one girl who was who was really mad because she just paid her licensing fee um so she was out several hundred dollars and no, not able to work which is another kettle of fish of course um yeah. we had another girl who was like i just bought new shoes for work wow what am i gonna do um, mm-hmm. I didn't panic because I was like, I had an accurate picture of my financial situation and I knew that I wasn't going to be in trouble right away. That said, over the course of the week, every time my inbox dinged, I was like, oh, that's another gig getting canceled. <laughs> and it always was. Wow. I watched my calendar just dissolve over the course of about 48 hours. And that was a really strange experience because when you fill your days with, you know, your job and how suddenly it's just gone, it's, it's very, it's a very strange, strange feeling, not only to be concerned about, you know, your finances and your physical health, but also to be like, well, what, what do I do with my life if I don't do this? Yeah. yeah. And that's interesting because that's basically the whole premise of the show is us thinking about restaurants and local businesses, but then really diving down and saying, what about people who work for themselves, especially performers, because that doesn't translate to being online. So, you know, and listening to everything you're saying is obviously COVID has affected um, everyone in some way, but, you know, I guess this is about where we were going in your conversation, but um, what do you do to take care of yourself and your own mental, mental health? Um, well, you know, I think it's, I, I really try to be honest with myself and there are good days and there are bad days. Um, I've obviously had to pursue other income streams and I try as much as possible to make them artistically oriented, for example, and this is a great opportunity. I have been uh, modeling for life drawing classes online, which is something that I used to do very regularly, but kind of had to act uh, when I moved to Toronto in favor of other performing opportunities. I just didn't have the time to do art modeling anymore. Um, but now I'm art modeling again online. And it's something I love to do. Um, so that's a fun opportunity. that uh, Otherwise, I wouldn't have had that back in my life, I would say. And I do try to look at the silver lining. Um, for example, when burlesque shows first started happening online, it was really, it was bittersweet because we were all so excited to see each other uh, and to put on eyelashes and get dressed up again. But it was undeniable that the experience was sorely lacking <laughs> because burlesque, For sure. burlesque is a live performing art. It really is. Absolutely. Uh, however, over time, people started to look at the online medium as an opportunity. Like, what are things that you couldn't do in a burlesque act in a live show? that you can do now you know through the magic of editing and lighting and mm. 
things right. like kind of making use of unusual physical settings and like so there's a lot of really fun opportunities and i'm currently working on um a, what i call i call it a story-driven supernatural cabaret uh oh that, that sounds amazing <laughs> it's, well, basically, I think, it's basically I... like a burlesque show meets a radio play it's called oceans 13 ghosts um it's launching on march the 13th with our, our digital red carpet um but it'll be available for downloads uh on an ongoing basis and it's a lot of fun because i wouldn't under normal circumstances be able to present a show where the characters are ghosts and they disappear and they reappear and they're located in you know 10 different locations over the course of a show even in a theater you have very limited capacity uh to do sort of visual effects Um, exactly so that's a lot of fun um also like casting has changed in the pandemic um because you can you can pull talent from anywhere in the world and suddenly you don't have to pay for airfare or hotels which is great because that's so yeah that's so true yeah i have my uh, i have a saturday night uh talk show that is uh, season two is launching actually very soon um called babes and bubbles and uh it's really great that i've been able to book like burlesque top 10 headliners from all over the world when normally their hotel and their airfare would be quite expensive flying someone from south africa for example costs a lot of money (laughs) absolutely absolutely it's very fun to say it's kind of uh globalized the scene a little more um it's also had a positive effect on on casting diversity because uh it used to be that producers would have, you know, excuses for not having diverse casts. Let's say you have eight girls in your show. And yes. They're all white. Um, or exactly. they're all white exactly. or they're all skinny. Um, right. Nobody yes. wants to see that show. And well, on that note, we're, we're going to have to go to commercial and get something to eat when we come back. Because on that note, I'm like, skinny girls that are white? No. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go for a quick commercial break and when we come back we're going to finish that thought and we're going to do some rapid fire with you okay we'll be right back listeners and people in general support you and other performers right now oh my gosh there's so many ways um every performer is unique and what they are doing during the pandemic 
is unique to their situation. So the best way you can support your favorite performer is to follow them on their various channels and see what they are doing and what they need. Are they selling tickets to an online show? Are they drawing? Are they making art in some other way? Are they learning? Everyone's doing something different. Mm-hmm. And the best way you can support them is honestly let people tell you how they need support. If they've got a side hustle, some way that you can give them money, that is ideal. Um, but Absolutely. Honestly, yeah. Just continuing to follow, to like, to comment, to engage is super valuable because what entertainers need to be professional entertainers is audiences. And yes. you're eyeballs and your ears are so important and so valuable Mm. you know we go we rhapsody we go through that with our show too we constantly tell people you know there's so many people listening that want us to be even more successful and get us even more even more listeners and what we tell everybody is you can do that for free just tell everybody you know about it because we have a great listenership who support us and we love every single one of them. But we tell them, you don't pay to listen to the show. At least most of them don't. So you pay, you don't pay for the show. Share it with people. Let people know what's happening. Same in your case. If they know that you're doing a show out there online, something that you can sit in front of the computer with a pint of pistachio and your slippers and your underwear, you can watch it. It's easy. You don't have to get in a car. So yeah. you just got to do it. Absolutely. It's, uh, you know, hitting that retweet button doesn't cost you a cent. And I think that people need to like empower themselves. Like you can make a difference, even if you are also broke. I get it. So many people are so broke right now and artists and entertainers are the last people in the world to shame you if you can't support them financially, but you can support them with nice words you can say, wow, I like this selfie or send them an email and say, hey, I was thinking about that show you did two years ago and how I had a great time. Or or I got one better. My dad has millions of dollars and he's going to support you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, like, if you have a rich father who wants to pay all my bills, send him my way. <laughs> I love rich fathers. Or rich mothers, to be honest. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The underwear all drop the same. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to do some uh, fun rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Yes. Let's do it. All righty. If you could be any flavor of ice cream, what would you be and why? One of my weird quirks. We all have them. (laughs) I don't. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I am super in love with my bidet. Listen, I love, I, it. I love I'm in love. It. I'm in love with you for having a bidet. We talk it about is, bidets on this show all the time. It is life changing. If you are listening to this right now and you don't have a bidet, you can get one for like thirty dollars. You will have the freshest butthole ever. And like, Listen. not to sound too gory, but if you are a person who menstruates, it'll change your life. Listen, there's nothing gory uh, that that could be said on this on this podcast. So go right ahead. No, the only thing that could be gory is skinny girls who don't eat. That's gory on our show. <laughs> I, I love all bodies as long as a show isn't entirely all one body. 
Exactly. Exactly. Sure. All righty. Where would you go if you were invisible? Uh oh. Um, I would get a very large magnet and walk to a credit card's data center and just rub that magnet on a whole bunch of servers. Wow, that's mm. pretty hardcore. Wow, she's <laughs> she's thought about this before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like under normal circumstances, I'd be like, oh, I'd sneak on a plane and go fly somewhere fun for free. Um, but I don't want to do that right now. So yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> so uh, I feel like I'd like to wipe out a whole bunch of people's credit card debts. Ooh, that, that would be, be amazing. amazing. You're you're the invisible superhero. <laughs> what are you afraid of? I am afraid of so many things. I am a very nervous person. I am afraid of the dark. I am afraid of lots of things. Gosh, mm. I'm super scared of horror movies. Oh my god, I can't. I can't do them. I can't handle them. Really? Yeah. No, I love. I love scary video games and scary books, but scary movies. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> I'm actually. I'm afraid of Billy Joel. You're afraid of Billy Joel? He's frightening. <laughs> Um, okay. What is something you refuse to share? Meals in restaurants. <laughs> yes. Get yes. this. Meals in restaurants with professional chefs. Because mm. they always want to criticize. They always want to be like, I would have done it this way. And I'm like, I didn't I didn't order this to get your opinion on it. I ordered it to eat it. <laughs> I love it. I love I, it. I, there was a time in my life when I was hanging out with um a lot of culinary people and uh, there was a boundary I had to assert no one no one can try my food because I don't need to hear what's wrong with it <laughs> is that something that happened often people would criticize what you order no but they're they're trying to criticize the other chef because it's a it's like a, oh I wouldn't make this uh, creative choice or they're really yeah, and then oh, it her whole experience because then she can't enjoy it i mean i know enough people who cook who are like that but it's the same thing in anything it's just like you hang out with people who are fashion designers what do they do when you go shopping with them oh i love yeah. this sweater they're like that sweater's stupid they should never put orange in it yeah yeah they and it's just like it's like everything you know even as as a burlesque entertainer i don't want to go to a burlesque show and listen to other performers like tear apart the other dancers on the stage right i don't go go for that experience i go to clap and cheer and hoot and holler and throw money like everyone else exactly yeah right yeah okay no one is allowed to eat my food at a restaurant (laughs) nice (laughs) all right last last quick fire Mm -hmm. if you were arrested with no explanation what would your friends and family assume you had done My friends and family would probably make different assumptions. My my family would probably assume that I had been uh, arrested for some sort of act of public nudity. Um, (laughs) They have like, I would say a fairly good understanding of what I do for a living, but are always like, oh, she's just out there being scandalous. I don't know. Um, (laughs) So I feel like indecent exposure or something, if you ask like, my family what it was and if you asked one of my friends probably they would assume some sort of act of vandalism or petty theft wow (laughs) if i'm gonna be if i'm gonna be honest not that i do these things i am that's that's the assumption i'm a very rule-abiding person nice Uh, but i also have been known to attend the occasional 
civil action, shall we say? Nothing wrong with that. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing, Nothing wrong crazy. with that. <laughs> so how can people, now that you've uh, endured our rapid fire, <laughs> how, can, how can people find you on social media? And is there anything that you'd like to promote and share with our listeners? I know you mentioned a couple of things. Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> uh, my talk show, Babes and Bubbles, is relaunching on a new platform uh, called Joie de Vivre, which is uh, a platform that hosts the Saturday night queer naked dance parties. And my show is going to be the like pregame. And I can't recommend enough joining not only Babes and Bubbles because it's lots of fun and I interview entertainers, sex workers, performers, people of all kinds, uh, but also the queer naked dance party. It's a hecking lot of fun and if you think that you don't want to dance naked in your living room while a bunch of other strangers all over the world dance naked in their living rooms you are mistaken you do want this so yes <laughs> definitely try it out uh the platform's great there's drag there's burlesque there's go-go dancing it's a lot of fun um oh, yeah this is and, so uh, good this is so good like <laughs> and i want you to repeat the name of the show because i am like trying to like get ready for this <laughs> oh, okay. The show is called Babes and Bubbles. You can find it on Instagram at Babes and Bubbles Live. You can find me on Instagram at Rhapsody Burlesque. I'm also on Twitter at Blue Burlesque. You can find me on Facebook as Rhapsody Blue. Yeah, I think that's that's fantastic. That's the that's the lineup. I mean, you you've got the level of energy you had in this interview. People should already get a snapshot of what they would actually see when you're performing. Like that's what I'm getting right now. This is like amazing. You know, people hear burlesque dancer, they're just gonna they think of like some woman who's just gonna talk like this the whole time. And then meanwhile, <laughs> you come on and it's like an explosion. So everybody better, better, better get to all the platforms that Rhapsody shared with us. And Rhapsody was so great having you tonight. Well, thanks so much for having me on. It was a lot of fun. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Whoa. And that was Rhapsody Blue, y'all. She, she definitely had a lot of energy and it was great oh listening God. to her. Like I Listen, feel, I feel like we can do another segment with her. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I like, I felt like I could have left. I could have came back, and it could have just left her as the host because she just took, she just, she made it happen, bro. She made well, it happen. You can clearly tell that this is something that she does as an entertainer, as an MC, you know, production. She, she obviously feels comfortable. Um, being in front of a, an audience, being in front of a camera, all of that stuff. So it's, 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 so it's also the passion. Like yeah. she's so passionate about what she does. Um, you know, and I give women a lot of credit who do what she does because, you know, I certainly think this is one of many shows we're going to do about burlesque because I feel like people don't understand it. You know, I've known people over the years who said, oh, burlesque is stripping. I'm like, mm, not really. Yeah. And I think that it gives people more of a perspective, the art form of it. It's just, to me, it's, she was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed her fetish education. I, I did too. I think, I think, you know, if we do something in the future with regards to um, fetish, uh, alternative 
lifestyles, all of that. Uh, she would she would make a great guest in terms of the education part, you know, telling everyone what it's all about. And I think that would be, you know, I would definitely reach out to her and ask. And I think I kind of summoned the, the the sugar daddy story out of her without even realizing I was doing that. Because remember what I started the show with. <laughs> hey, big spender. Yes. Yep. Yes. So that so was great. So we had a fantastic, fantastic bunch of guests on. And it's only going to get better, y'all. So keep listening. Keep paying attention. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on my thighs. And if there are any subjects you guys would like to hear us discuss, please, you know what to do. Yeah, I absolutely (laughs) have a lot of subjects, but I'm always told by you that they're just, they're inappropriate. They're lame. (sighs) Yikes. All right. On that (laughs) note, I'm going to go drown myself. (laughs) Take care, everyone.